Joining me on the pavilion today is former Proteas player, Stephen Cook. Stephen, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining me. Morning, CS. Yeah, good to be on. Good to be chatting to you, chatting cricket, thing that I love. So, yeah, pleasure to be on. Fantastic. Um, Stephen, I think the, the first question, were you expecting the call when it came for you, for your Proteas debut? You know, uh, it's, it's a strange thing. I suppose it's one of those calls that you always hope for. And, you know, at the time, the convenience selectors, Linda Zondi, you know, whenever that, you know, number would ring up on your phone, you knew it was going one of two ways. Either it was, you know, hang in there, keep going, you're knocking on the door, keep scoring the runs, or, you know, it was that moment you'd been waiting for. So, um, yeah, in the weeks leading up to it, I sort of felt something was happening. There was a bit of tide of momentum going in my favor. I, I, I'd come off uh, a couple of good runs for the Lions at the time. and. Um, Oh, I suppose what often happens in cricket is you're playing well, but the guy in possession is also playing well, in which case there's, there's, there's no opportunity. So, I mean, that, that fateful uh, January 2016, it was, um, South Africa, the Proteas had had a few issues at the top of the order. Stian van Sale had sort of been used as a, a makeshift opener. It sort of wasn't a natural opener, but had been asked to do it off the back of some other good performances in the middle order. And uh, that England bowling lineup, Anderson and Broad and what have you, had obviously done well in the first three tests and, yeah, I uh, got that uh, got that call, and the old butterflies went in the stomach. And uh, yeah, I suppose uh, the beginning of a of, of a lifelong dream. Um, if I may ask, uh, do you remember where you were when you got the call? Yeah, if I, if I remember correctly, I mean, uh, I'd done a gym session. I think we'd played uh, like a recovery session. We'd played a four day game leading up to that, so we'd had a team recovery session. I just got home and phone call came through and answered the phone and now I've got this news and you know they're obviously saying just you know don't put anything out there you know the team's obviously only going to be released later we need to tell everyone concerned so there I sat for an hour in my living room and not really being able to tell anyone I thought no man I've got to phone my wife phone my wife she didn't pick up and uh, you know you sit with this piece of information for about oh probably was only felt it felt like hours it was probably 45 minutes but uh, eventually then obviously everything could come out so yeah, I suppose a million thoughts go through your head, you know, something that you worked at for so long and, you know, all those hours and all those thoughts, you think, oh, this is this is finally worth it. I mean, I didn't know that I'd actually be playing. I mean, I was just in the squad, but I sort of I put two and two together and, and saw who they had released from the squad and thought, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure of playing. So, yeah, headed up uh, to Centurion later that day and uh, off, off we went. And how was it, you know, the feeling of getting that huge score on debut, you know, very few people have done that, you know, what was going through your mind is, as you were playing that, that innings looking back. Yeah, it was a, it was a very surreal, you know, a couple of days leading up and then, and then actually scoring that hundred on debut. Um, I think being a little bit older, but more mature, I mean, it's not very often a, a player de- debuts and he's the oldest player in the match on both sides. I mean, so, you know, it, I mean, in that way, it wasn't that same intimidation factor. I mean, I'd played with all of those guys my whole career, guys in my team. I'd played against a number of the opposition. Um, so in, in that way, it maybe wasn't like this, massive eye-opening experience but I mean it still was a step up I mean don't get me wrong test cricket is test cricket it's uh, it's like that for a reason but I, I really felt a sense of calm um, I, I can honestly say I wasn't nervous at all I was no more nervous than going out to bat in any game for the Lions um, and I think that was probably because over a period of time you you sort of hone your skills and you and and you just have uh you start to believe in, in in what you can do and i mean i thought to myself do you know what i mean there's a chance this is my only test you know if it, if it doesn't come off here it's sort of it was the last test of a series uh you don't know what they're going to do in the next series you think well it could be one off and i'm just going to enjoy every moment of it so i really did i just embraced every moment of it and i uh, really soaked it in and what have you you know from singing the anthem and you know walking out there to bat and yeah, I suppose what also made it a lot easier, Jimmy Anderson. I mean, we know the great bowler that he has dished up a lovely leg side half volley first ball for me to clip off, uh, off my pads before. So, yeah, that probably was a, was, was a nicer start. And, I mean, and, and probably the history of it, obviously, that, that everyone kept referring to was when my dad had, you know, played for South Africa and he had uh, he had nicked off a naught first ball of his test career so I mean that was that was obviously quite a big one you know or, I mean my dad phoned me that morning of the first test and I mean I remember his words distinctly and he, all, all he said is uh, 
you know, my boy is, if you don't get out first ball, you've done better than me. So, uh, you know, no pressure. <laughs> so when, when the first ball went for four, I mean, it was, um, I mean, it was already better. I mean, and, and that's, I mean, dad was my hero, you know, so, you know, anything that, that he had done, if, uh, if I could get any one up on him, I suppose that was uh, that was an achievement of itself. But yeah, it was it it, it was a fantastic day out there. I mean, uh, something that'll stay with me for forever. Was it my finest innings I ever played? No, probably not. But uh, those occasions very rarely are. Um, but yeah, uh, just just to soak up those couple of hours to batted with Hashim Amla. I mean, we we played it against each other at school and through SN and 19. So I mean, we had these parallel careers where he played for the Proteas and. I played domestic cricket, but, you know, we, we always, you know, and to share that, you know, to, to both get uh, hundreds like we did, you know, it was really special, especially the fact he had just stepped down as captain, AB had taken over. So, you know, it was just, it was just a good experience for us both and we fed off each other. So, yeah, re- really memorable. And um, if I may ask now, um, you know, that debut was an achievement of the dream. However, let's go back to where, everything started where the dream actually began. Um, when did you start uh, playing cricket? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was really blessed and I grew up in a cricket family. I mean, as, as, as is well documented, my dad had played for South Africa and for the then Transvaal for many years. So, you know, cricket was in the blood. I grew up, my second home was on the, on the grass banks of the Wanderers, you know, playing cricket with my little brother with tennis ball and whatever. So um, it, was, it, it was always in my blood and, you know, dad always, you know, not that he ever forced me or whatever, but always encouraged me to play and be active and play sports and what have you. So, yeah, from, from an early age, um, sort of always had these visions to follow in dad's foot steps um probably naively so i mean look back at it now and you look at the odds of what are the chances of actually playing for south africa out of all of the kids who play cricket never mind the fact that you know it would be a second generation to have done it i mean the odds are really not against me but i I never seem to to see that you know what i mean and so i mean uh, and that's why i'm never one now to kill a kid's dreams because um yeah, you never know. I mean, yes, the odds might be stacked heavily against you, but uh, yes, I always grew up and, and loved the game. I just, I just loved everything about it, and I still do. I, I have inherent love for the game, whether I've scored an auto or 100. There's something about the game. It's so much bigger than us. It's, it's, it's so many lessons in life. It's, 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 it's a wonderful representation of, of, of what life, what sport, what relationships are all about. And um, yeah, so I, I got involved with it. I mean, made have made incredible friends along the way, experienced wonderful things. So it's not always about the runs and the wickets. It's, it, that's a part of it. That's the vehicle to, to to get you to where you're going. But yeah, growing up, um, yeah, I loved it from a, from a young age and, and always challenging myself to be better. I was actually quite a small kid. So, I mean, in, in my early years, you know, I'd go and bat out there and I'd hit 25 fantastic shots, you know, in the under nines or under tens or whatever it was. And, you know, I couldn't hit a four. Couldn't hit a boundary. So, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd play some wonderful cover drives and get singles, you know, and uh, you'd go home and you'd be so proud to tell your dad, you know, like, how many did you score today? No, dad, I batted the whole 25 overs of the, you know, Wednesday afternoon fixture for 23 not out. And I could just see dad shaking his head going, oh, that's, that's not looking good, my boy. You know, like, I know you're happy, but but anyway, you know, as, as things happen, he just sort of just kept encouraging me. So, you know, as you grow, as you get a bit stronger, those good cricket shots, that, that good technique will, will bear fruit. And, you know, age 12, 13, I sort of grew and got a little bit stronger. And, you know, those, those shots didn't go for one anymore. They went for four. So, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's, uh, in, in a way, a... Uh, it followed the path of, I mean, my early life, I was probably a late developer in terms of that because of my physical size and probably also in my, in my professional career, probably actually took time to, to come to know my game as a lot of players do, but, you know, obviously then ended up playing for cricket, uh, for South Africa at a later stage. So, yeah. And, um, you know, your father was a cricketer and, and you grew up in that environment. Um, <clears throat> Did you often go into the change room as a youngster? Yeah, I mean, it, it probably speaks to the, the different era that cricket was then. I mean, it it was not professional anyway. It was called professional, but I mean, in, in today's references, it, it was very far from it. Um, so yeah, the, all the kids, I mean, whether it was the young Mackenzies or the young Jenningses or the young Cooks or the young Rice kids, we were all in the change room there, in and amongst during the heat of battle. I mean, that that was just how things were. I mean, my mom and dad were both teachers. You know, everyone thinks, oh, you know, Stephen, he came from this this, this, this household of a professional cricketer and whatever. 
but life was very different then. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, dad was earning what the, what the modern, you know, international players would earn relatively. I mean, he was a teacher. He worked down the road at Fairways Primary School. He would teach and coach sport till four o'clock in the afternoon and then walk up the road and try to get a net in before the sun went down. That, that, that was how training was for everyone. I mean, the team meetings would, you know, be, be over a beer at the Wonders Club in the evening. That's, that's how it was. There was, there was no formal coach. There was maybe a manager for away tours and, captain would run the show so a very different era i mean fitness was all left up to your own devices <laughs> and i mean it it it, it, it it was completely so i mean i yes i grew up around cricket and around this and and really blessed but i mean actually the son of two teachers my mom and dad both teachers that's how they met each other and um so so in many ways i had a, had a normal upbringing you know uh, we you know it wasn't like there was money for private schools i went to normal government school and you know I was I was very content in that I didn't I didn't know any other way you know when it came time for high school we applied for bursaries to you know you got some studians and what have you and didn't get in so got really really lucky I suppose that was one of my real lucky breaks in that I, I got into CARES um, you know which obviously is a good cricketing school good pedigree good coaching good facilities so yeah I mean certainly privileged in in that way I certainly wouldn't wouldn't say I had it uh, tough you know um but, uh, but yeah, but uh, very different to sort of how, you know, um, my daughter would grow up, you know, now, you know, like, so, I mean, where dad played professional cricket was seen as, it's, it's far more professional now than, than it ever was then. But, uh, but yeah, dad, dad was always a hero to me. And, uh, you know, they, he sacrificed a lot. I mean, you can imagine you're working a, a normal teaching job. I mean, people out there know how hard teachers work and, you know, it's a, it's, 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 it's a great profession. And then to, to try and hold a career career uh, together on top of that. I mean, he would take leave to go and play a three day game. I mean, he would literally take annual leave to go and play a three day game. So yeah, very, very, very different era to now. And, you know, there's, you are explaining this, you know, I'm thinking, he was quite a passionate man when it came to cricket because he had all this going on, family, job, and then somehow he had to find a way to fit in cricket. And how did that passion rub off onto you as a youngster? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, without knowing it at the time, I mean, often these things you don't realize it at the time, but after, after the fact when you grow up and you, you look back and you maybe reflect, you see these things, you know, it definitely taught me the value of hard work, you know, that, you know, you couldn't just sit around and let things land in your lap. You had to work hard. Um, I mean, he'd be up early in the morning running, you know, before he took us to school, you know, doing his fitness stuff. Then um, he played, he, I mean, he played pro football, you know, as a dual professional for, for Wits University for, for a couple of years. So, I mean, that probably took it a level further, but yeah, just, just, just to, you know, instill in us, that you needed to work hard, you needed to be disciplined. Um, um, you know, all, all those little lessons that he taught us along the way. I mean, the, the, the way, I mean, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get onto a couple of those sort of anecdotes as we go, but um, just the way he emphasized education and the fact that I had to, to study and make sure my grades were good. And you know, it wasn't just about playing sport and that was good enough. You know, it was, it was never about what happens if you don't make it in cricket. It was more about, well, when you do make it in cricket, even when you're finished, what, what are you going to do then? You know, what are you going to add to society? How are you going to add value back into this? You know, because um, it was very much about not being selfish. What can you give back into this? So I, I was very aware of that from, from, from a young age that I needed to, it, it wasn't about me. This game was far bigger. Um, and so, yeah, he taught me a lot. And I mean, take nothing away from my mom. She, she was probably the disciplinarian of the family in, in, in many ways and, 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 and hard on, hard, hard on her. I mean, I, I respect her hugely. I mean, the, I mean, effectively at times with all the tours, you know, when there'd be tours, I mean, effectively single parented us, you know, so um, my brother and I, so yeah, I mean, she, she did amazing work in allowing me to pursue those dreams, you know, making sure that, you know, things were taken care of. So yeah, a, re a real blessing to come from, from a grounded home like that. Yeah. And, you know, um, you mentioned that, you know, you were quite a small kid as you were growing up. And so your development compared to some other kids that we might read of, your development was a bit slower, you know. However, around 12, 13, there was that growth spurt and then slightly got stronger. And what were other transformative moments in your growth as a, as a cricketer? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, if you just isolate it to, to those growing up years, obviously going to King Edwards, going to Kes as, as a school was, was probably a watershed moment looking back, um, you know, to, to train with good coaches, good players around you, to be pushed in that way. You know, you are no longer the best player in the team. You're now, you know, getting, getting pushed by the other players. It wasn't just a case of, you know, you bet where you like. There were other guys competing for you. Um, and then I would say, actually, funnily enough, getting dropped and getting left out of teams. I mean, you know, people often think, oh, you know, Stephen, you had a good career. You you managed to play to 36 or whatever and 200 first-class games. But I got left out of a lot of teams throughout my life, a lot of teams. And, I mean, back from the earliest days, missing out on those junior teams sometimes because you were just a small kid and you couldn't hit fours and sixes to, you know, going through dips in form or where other guys got selected ahead of you. Um, and even into my professional career, where for I mean, large parts of my career, um, I got left out of 50 over crickets. Uh, I played very little T20 cricket. So there'd be these big gaps where sort of out of sight, out of mind, which, you know, played a big role. You know, you'd, you'd come off 100 or two in the four-day games and now it would be the T20 series. And for six weeks, you, you, you wouldn't be seen. You know, the cricketing public or the selectors, you'd almost forget Stephen Cook exists. And then, you know, very quickly, you know, someone puts up their hand in a T20 game and now they're front of the mind. So, in a way, those sort of experiences really built me up. I mean, it taught me to deal with adversity, deal with failure, deal with, you know, the critics out there. I mean, you're going to be criticized. I mean, so, um, I mean, even in those formative years, being left out of junior teams or provincial teams or, you know, really sort of made a big difference. And then, you know, I always believe things just, things happen for a reason. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, and, and so it's so, so hard to look back on it and say, Oh, that was, that was good. Or that was bad because at the time it seemed like the worst thing ever or the best thing ever, but turned out to be completely the opposite, you know? So, I mean, getting back to obviously it was very hard to escape that my dad had been who he was. And I was constantly reminded of it, um, both in a positive context and in a negative one. Uh, I mean, the number of times I walked out to bat and was told I was only there because my dad or all that sort of stuff. I mean, that carried on well into my professional career. And I remember saying to, to, to a coach one day, I just wish someone would write a newspaper article where they wouldn't say Stephen Cook, the son of Jimmy Cook. I wish one day they would say Jimmy Cook, the father of Stephen. I, if, if I could have that once, just once in my life written that way around, that would be a, that would be amazing, you know. So, um, it, it, as much as it was a positive and it, it maybe got your foot in the door, and maybe selectors would look and say, "Oh, let's see what Cook Junior is like." Um, I think it also hindered me in many ways as well. I think people sort of, if you didn't meet that high expectation, they just said, oh, well, he's not as good as dad. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think it always, always helped. I mean, certainly in, during the period, I think it was about 2008, where at the Lions, they, they got my, my, my old man to come in and, and coach. Uh, he was sort of one of the assistant coaches. Um, and I mean, it was spoken beforehand, like how, how do we deal with the fact that Steven's actually in the team? But uh, I, I think it had actually a major negative on my career at that time. I mean, I think he was so scared of any potential nepotism or you know, favoriting Steven that I just didn't get picked. I just didn't play. You know, I mean, I, I, it went the other way. I mean, and I understand why he did it. And it, it actually took for him to... Um, to leave him, I can't remember exactly how it went. Whether whether it just came to the end of the season, or he, or, or or they just went for a new regime. I, I mean, memories fade, but that almost launched my career into a second phase of my career. I then I could actually that burden of dad being around actually went off a little bit more. And uh, and at that point, he moved more into the background of 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 my career. I mean, obviously, I always worked with him, uh, even even up right to the end of my retirement, I'd always, you know, from time to time go and have a bowling machine with him or touch base with him, what he thinks about how I'm playing and what have you. So yeah, many pivotal moments along the way, but um, often, often the negative one, you know, that you didn't, you didn't think at the time, you thought, oh, that's so unfair. I can't believe I've been left out. I deserve to play here. Actually forced me to, to think about how I was playing, what I was doing, what were my priorities. And, uh, and so your yeah, blessings in disguise. So I'm, I'm always one that, you know, hardships happen and, but they can be real, really positive. So, yeah. You know, um, I'm trying to find a way to marry this because now you've spoken about a time where your dad was coaching at Lions and you were also there. But then he has this fear that if he treats you 
let's say fairly, you know, it's easy for people to misconstrue. And so he would try to sort of not appear to be favoring you. But at home afterwards, or at, at any point, did he try to explain this difficult situation he was in to you? Yeah, no, he did. He was he was very transparent about it. I mean, I remember us even before he accepted the job. You know, he he sort of laid out to me. He said, "I, I can't be seen to be, you know, um, choosing you or giving you any favoritism." Um, and and I, and I understood that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you think is a positive at the time. I thought, okay, it'll be really good. You know, he'll he'll understand where I'm coming from, and you know, it's good to have him around. I don't have to. I mean, I, I always worked with him. I mean, we always worked one on one as a, privately. But so now I was like, oh, well, I can wrap it all in one. You know, he watches me train all the time. Now he'll watch me playing all the games. That feedback loop will be a lot easier. Um, but in hindsight, no, it didn't, it didn't pan out like that. So, but that's the that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of life is that we don't know how things are going to go. You know, sometimes you know, coaches who you think, oh, I'm not really going to gel with this guy. You know, I've heard things about. It. Turns out to give you the best pieces of advice. You know, you you never know where it's going to come from. That's 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 the beauty of it. You know, so, um, I, you know. W- when you know towards the back end of my career i mean i used to often get asked you know do you have any regrets do you have anything you would change and yeah obviously there's things that you'd like to have gone differently but then the story wouldn't be the story the path wouldn't be the path i wouldn't be who i am today and you know so I, I'm, I'm perfectly content in that yes would i love to have played earlier so that i could have played 50 tests for south africa would i yes absolutely but geez i got i got one test that, that was good enough for me um, actually, you know, and I look back and it's like, th- that's part of your story. And, 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 and it's been so much the focus of the last 18 months, two years of my life is saying, okay, well, let's redefine. What does this look moving forward? Because I, I'm not going to be defined by what I've done. You know, the fact that I've played cricket for South Africa, that doesn't define me. That's just a part of me. That's just something I've done. I'm a, a million other things. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a, I'm a father. I'm, there's so much more to me. You know, I've, uh, I've been lucky enough to study, uh, you know, the, the world's, the world's been open. And, and, and so you forge your path there and you take the ups and the downs. So, yeah, I, I, I don't regret any of those things, even though they sometimes panned out strangely at the time. You know, um, you touched on how your father always said, you know, after cricket, you will need something to, to be doing something. And now you just mentioned that, you know, you studied and how did you, have that balance of playing a professional career and studying so that you prepare yourself for life after cricket yeah so it's i mean multifaceted answer first and foremost you know mom and dad telling me look after your studies make sure you don't neglect those so you know always applied myself try to get involved in as many different activities whether it was debating at school whether it was acting on stage just just try and be a well-rounded person so really encourage that uh, and then a key moment happened um, just as I was writing my matric exams I got picked for Gauteng I got picked in the in the provincial team um, and my dad phoned the selectors and withdrew me from the team he said Stephen's writing his matric exams he needs to finish his exams when he's finished his exams he's available for selection and it was one of the most angry I've ever been with my father in my life. Uh, honestly, it, the anger bubbled up in me. I was like, this is my chance, Dad. What happens if this chance never comes again? He says, that chance will come again. That will wait. He says, you finish this and you see how things pan out. So, um, again, one of those moments, it just it seemed so unfair. I was like, how could you possibly be making that decision? Uh, you know, how could you pull me out of that? You know, um, but actually turned out to be a, a massive lesson in, in how things go. And, I, and I'm really glad it went that way. Yes, things could have been different, but, you know, it set me on a, on a good stool. And so, you know, then ended up going to university, studied law, uh, firstly did a BCom, then, then studied law, did my LLB. Um, and in many ways, you know, I suppose doing almost a full-time degree at a time when cricket was just becoming more professional. So I would say my first degree was sort of more than normal experience of studying full-time on campus. But my second was very much, um, you know, it was at UJ, I mean, which is theoretically a contact university. And if I'm truthful, it was very distance learning, <laughs> um, to be honest. So, yeah, I really, I really had to work hard. That was that that taught me that taught me discipline and um, 
and hard work, you know, there was, there was late nights, you know, studying, you know, you'd finish, you'd finish a day in the field, you know, in Cape Town playing the Cobras or whatever, and you'd have to go hit the books for four or five hours and then get up and play the next day. So, you know, that really taught me uh, some, some perseverance and some, some tough love, I suppose. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, I think it's, it's, it's also led me to, you know, in now what I do for SACA, um, encourage guys to develop themselves in dual careers to, to, to study and the way that, you know, things like, you know, organizations like SAC, I mean, maybe some would say, oh, you're a little bit biased, you, you know, you now work for them and what have you, but it's, it, it's, it's, it's through the good that I saw happening through the bursary schemes, through all of that, that I saw people being able to have dual career so that when career comes to an end, for whatever reason, it can be loss of form, it can be injury, it can be just retirement at the, at, at the end of a career, there's so much more to give and I, I feel that the players who do that actually play better they've got they've got something else on their mind they're not defined by their naught or their you know or their hundred you know there's something else there's another string to their bow just like you see players often after they've uh, had kids they actually start to play better they this there's something else in their life there's, there's there's a different meaning their identity is not so wrapped up in their score and so it's, it's, it's quite a complex sort of situation and i mean in the whole thing i mean and one of the reasons why i was so passionate about you know working for SACA post-cricket is I, I I know the good that they did to allow me to have the career that I had you know what I mean through 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 a variety of reasons and I mean I was maybe at the right at the front end of that when SACA was really small and whatever but now the offering is is quite substantial the support to players and I, I just I just see the that development of, of, of the playing body because it's a ruthless game this cricket I mean professional sport is utterly ruthless um, you know, if, if you expect things to be fair, you will be bitterly disappointed. It is ruthless. Uh, sometimes you get left out through no fault of your own. Um, you know, a bowler, an umpire gives you a decision that you don't deserve at the wrong time and you get left out, you lose a contract. I mean, it's a ruthless game. So, um, you know, anything you can do to sort of pad yourself, protect yourself uh, from those ups and the downs, the better. So, yeah, I mean, certainly that. That, that trying to be well-rounded, trying to be educated, trying to, you know, have more than one string to your bow, try and give back where you can. Um, so that it's not just all about me, 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 because it can get, you can get incredibly selfish in, in, in not just professional cricket, but professional sport. Um, you can become very insular, start to think, okay, but it's all going to happen now. If it doesn't happen now, um, you know, it won't happen. But, uh, but you have to have that bigger picture thinking and having people around you to advise you to do that uh, is vital. Know, so mentors, agents, those sort of people play massive roles. Um, I was about to ask about soccer, but you touched on it quite well. You know, I, I wanted to ask about why you got involved with them and not have gone out into the world, maybe different industry. However, you you quite uh, put it well together. And so would I be wrong to assume that, you know, your work with Saka is because you want to make a difference in the, in the lives of these cricketers so that they, they have a bigger world that is not limited to just playing. Yeah. I mean, it does sound a bit virtuous and, you know, you know, I'm giving back to the game and all of that. <laughs> I mean, like, I, 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 I don't want it to come across as that. Um, I mean, my involvement in SACA started off very, very small. I mean, I was a very junior player when when it was founded, uh, I think, 2004. Um, and, and and slowly but surely, I got more involved in it, and I was interested. I mean, I studied law, so obviously a lot of the stuff is labor law. It's contracts. It's all of that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I became like a team rep and, you know, did the donkey work and signed the forms and got all that sort of the admin done behind the scenes, but learned more about how this whole machine of cricket worked. And it really interested me. I mean, like I said up front, I, I love the game of cricket. I love everything about it. I love every angle from it, uh, you know, and, 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 and that's what I wanted to sort of have is that wide variety, you know. So whether it's an opportunity to commentate, I, I always look to take that up. It's, if it's a chance to coach, if it's to, you know, I just love that whole rounded experience of cricket from every angle. Um, but, but yeah, eventually, I mean, I got, I got more involved with Saka. I got onto the Exco, the players' Exco. So, you know, you start to get it more at the pointy end and you, you're in the, you're, you're around the boardroom and you're helping to form policy of where you're going. And, um, yeah, it was always something that, you know, when cricket came to an end, you know, it's, it's, 
it was something that I wanted to do. I mean, it's it's not exactly a, a huge organization. So, you know, I mean, it's not like there's a million opportunities. But I felt that, you know, I put my hat in the ring there and, you know, marrying those legal skills uh, that I'd acquired plus my cricket knowledge and what have you. And, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's been a good a good match thus far. And, uh, you know, being a, being a past player, you can maybe relate to, to players in a different way. Uh, you know the ups and the downs that you go through. So, you know, whether it's educating guys on the anti-corruption or the anti-doping or, you know, you, you, a million different avenues that you go down, uh, the dual career, the studying, you know, it's, it's nice to touch guys' careers in different ways um, because the guys are all at different stages. I mean, we'll do a, we'll do a roadshow now and in the room is a, you know, uh, an established player. You might have a Vern Philander at the Cobras, you know, who's, you know, been there, done that, done everything. And he'll have a 20-year-old, John O'Bird, who's just come into it out of the under-19s and new, fresh-faced and excited and eyes are wide open. This is this is the world of professional cricket. And trying to meet those guys at, at where they're at in their career is, is, is hugely enjoyable, you know, and, and not that you do it for for any reward, but uh, in terms of, you know, oh, it was about me. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just nice to share that passion for the game. And and that's, that's, what, that's what drives me. I mean, yes, I could have, you know, taken my law degree and gone and pursued through a, through a law firm or, or, or some other interest. And, and, and who knows, in time, maybe that's an avenue that we go down. That's why I say I'm, I'm not close to, 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 to where life goes. Um, I, I fully understand that you know, there's ups and downs and you don't always see the, the end result, but, uh, but you forge in a direction and uh, you go with faith. And um, so also, because when I first got in touch with you, I mentioned uh, <clears throat> the coaching because I had seen um, something from Coach Ed where it said you were doing some work with them. And so <clears throat> I would assume that it's this experience that you enjoy of being involved that also gets you involved with Coach Ed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, what, uh, what, what Gary Kirsten has done with that coach ed space, I mean, taking cricket coaching and, and, and put it online, especially in light of the, the last 18 months, two years that we've gone through with COVID. Um, and just the resources and, and, and all of that is just fantastic. I mean, it's uh, uh, it, it, just that level of thinking and exposure to people from different countries and all of that, that, that that's been really enlightening. And, 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 and it's more from a sense of me learning. I mean, uh, you always think going to coach someone, whether it be a young kid, whether it be an established player, uh, you still learn so much yourself. I mean, that's that's the beauty of it. And and probably what I really love the most is, you know, getting on one of those platforms and being on a call with, you know, Stephen Fleming and, you know, just seeing different perspectives, Justin Langer. You just get different perspectives from all over the world, how they do it. Um, and you sometimes think, gee, that's so obvious, you know, like why, why didn't we just do it that way? You know, but you, but you, you see, you see things, things through your own perspective. Um, and, 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 and then we, we never, we never know enough. I'm constantly yearning for knowledge to know more, to learn more, to, to see different perspectives, because that's what it's so much about. It's so easy to see things from your way, your career, your life. Um, and, and that's been one of the, the, the great challenges of the last two years of my life to see things through different eyes. Um, and I think I've learned a lot. Do I still have a lot to learn? Absolutely. You know, you will be maybe helping a player who's, you know, grown up in the Eastern Cape, in rural Eastern Cape. And now he's, you know, come through an academy and now he's got a crack uh, down in the border region. And now you need to relate to that guy in a completely different way. His experience of life is completely different to mine. And to try and put yourself in his shoes and try and understand what, what's important to him now. And sometimes you don't get it right. Absolutely. Uh, we we all different, but but to try and learn the different characters and the different ways of doing things. That's that's so that's what that's what I love. I mean, that's what I did in cricket. I didn't start off knowing how to you know have a game plan to play a game a, a test match. You know how to how to build an innings. I learned that as I went along, and so so what I mean now is no different. It's it's about learning and sharing that uh, through coaching and and also gaining through coaching. I mean, I, I always encourage uh, uh, players to to get involved with coaching. You know, whether it's you know giving of your time freely or you know doing some private coaching you actually learn so much about your own game and the game of cricket through coaching through through helping and uh, 
you, you almost feel guilty sometimes, you know, like you, you feel like, gee, I did this session with this guy, but I probably gained more than he did, you know, <laughs> I, it's caused me to self-reflect. And I, I found that in my playing career too, you know, you, you tell a young kid at a, at a coaching clinic, you know, you'd be coaching a little under nine and you'd be showing him something with his forward defense. And then you start thinking to yourself, but you know what? you think you're such a hot shot player playing there for the Lions, but you don't even do that yourself, you know? So next day at the Nets, you know, it, it, it forces you to have a look. Maybe I, maybe I need to tweak that a bit, you know, like have I, have I just overlooked one of the simple basics? And, you know, sometimes that, that, that's, that's where the real successes are in the, in the, in the basics of, of life and, and of cricket, I suppose. And, um, you know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, all right, what kind of, individual were you in in the dressing room and you you did mention that you sort of developed slightly late so you you were this guy developed late because in all honesty it's also because you were also doing other things you you know there's the studying there's a what and also as you alluded to that maybe your development was a bit late because you started late because of your size. But here you are, you are in the dressing room. What kind of a, an individual were you um, late developer with younger guys who are probably at the same stage of their career as you? And some of them would look to you for guidance. How did you marry that together? Yeah, that's no, it's 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 a good it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I, I suppose I was lucky in that I always had some senior players who were mentors to me. You know, guys who who would help you along. And I think I think you probably take on a lot of that, and you start to then, or not repeat that, but but give that back as you become more older and you become that more senior player. Um, so I mean, early on in my career, uh, an Adam Bacher was uh, yeah I opened with him and he he was very instrumental in, in in helping me along helping me to work this this professional cricket thing out and you know later on uh, Neil McKenzie probably came in and played that role to to a certain degree um and then at some point in, in all things the eras start to change and all of a sudden you look around the change room and you're like oh I'm actually I'm one of the older guys yeah I'm one of the more experienced guys yeah and you get your, you get your younger guys coming in and Rusty Funderdison came into the change room and you sort of without even consciously being aware of it, you start to exhibit those behaviors that you were taught, you know, the, you know, sometimes being that shoulder to cry on, sometimes, you know, being very sympathetic, very empathetic towards the player. And sometimes having to, you know, put that firm word in, you know, which, which I remember getting, I mean, I remember one day distinctly, I mean, uh, I'd been going along and I was batting nicely and, and what have you. And I was averaging probably 33 in first class cricket um, as a young guy. And I remember Neil McKenzie had uh, a printout of like the season's averages, the career averages. And at the end of the one day's play, I think I played really nicely. I got like 40 and then you know, did, done something silly. And he sat me down and in the nicest possible way, gave me a proper firm talking to. And he just said, Stephen, you're a lovely player. You're a nice guy and all that. But if you keep averaging 33, in two years time, your career is over because there'll be another young guy who'll come in and, they're going to give him a run because 33 is, yeah, you give us a start, you get us to maybe 50 for one, but we're, we're the big hundreds. We, you know, where's the match winning performances? Um, and it actually made, I mean, it, it changed my whole mindset to, to batting to say, well, you know, averaging 33 isn't good enough anymore. That's, you know, just putting in a performance and everyone patting on the back and, oh, well done youngster, you got 40, you know, you know better than nothing sort of thing. In, in a way, redefine, and, and and I started to get maybe not harder on myself, but maybe just yeah, a bit tougher. You know, you get into that moment, you in, you get into thirty or forty, and you're like, I'm not giving this away now. And it really taught me to start to get bigger hundreds. And from that moment on, like that was a you talk about defining moments earlier. That that's one of them. It was literally a conversation, you know, twenty minutes, half an hour after the day's play, and you know. From that moment on, uh, probably in the next couple of years, averaged nearly 50, I would say, in domestic cricket, uh, just not from being any better, but just having a better mindset to being better. And and so you hopefully along the way, you know, and, and you'll only find out in years to come, you know, one day will a Dwayne Pretorius or a Vian Milder or one of these guys actually say, you know, Stephen was 
that guy to me at this stage of his career. There was a tough conversation here, or he's my shoulder to cry on there. So, so it's quite hard to self-reflect on that. You sort of, you do what you do in hope without knowing where the result's going to be. You know, Neil would have had that conversation with me, not knowing where it's going to be. He might look back now and say, oh, it landed well. You know, Stephen mentioned that that landed well, but you don't know at the time. So sometimes you say things, sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. But, you know, I think, I think in terms of like maybe being a bit more direct to your question, you know, I, I've never been this overly, you know, extroverted character. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say what it needs to be said, but I've been very much one to say, I need to weigh up the situation. I need to, you know, I, I've always sort of said there's three sides to every story. There's your side, my side, and the truth. So I always <laughs> like like to I always like to just weigh it up. I I don't like to jump to conclusions. Um, I always like to just weigh things up. And so, sometimes people see that as as being a little bit standoffish. Sometimes you know it, it comes across differently. But uh, you know, once I feel like I've got the situation or the character, then I'm happy to step in and say something. I think sometimes people jump in too soon and say something, and they haven't quite got the character and it doesn't land well it's, it's the best piece of advice or the best you know thing but just wrong timing or misplaced you know so um i probably err on the side of that but i mean that that's my character and and, and the good and the bad comes of that um that i suppose that's what makes you you and um you know you mentioned this talk with with neil as as one of those things and i'm thinking um were, were there also maybe coaches and, uh, or other players who really had a significant impact on you or on your development as, as a cricketer? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, and it's small things sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's fleeting moments. It's not always about that coach who, I mean, so for me, I mean, the obvious one is dad. I mean, the amount of balls he, he threw to me and, fired me on the boner machine way more than any other coach or individual. But yet it's often little pieces of tidbits of information and not always from the sources where you think, you know, I've got some of the best pieces of advice from a bowler, you know, a bowler who's like, he says something about how he's trying to get a batsman out. And I'm like, okay, I hadn't thought about it from that angle. Not even, not, not even a batting coach. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, like little things. I mean, I remember watching Charles Langefeld at the Nets bowling and how he used to position the ball in his hand and all of that sort of stuff. And I was like, you know what? That and let me ask him about that. And you start to ask those questions, and all of a sudden you figure out something about sort of the bowler's mindset. And you say, "Oh, if it's true for him, may it be true for other bowlers?" And then all of a sudden you figure out, "Okay, I can actually pick up more when a guy's going to bowl his bouncer, you know, just by certain things in his action that I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have necessarily known." So you know, there are moments like that, you know, that you that you pick up and you you think oh, that, that was a great piece of advice. But uh, I mean, not that not not that coaches necessarily haven't made the impact but often the players you've played with actually have more of those moments because you learn in the moment you learn in the heat of battle you know and um you know it's easy to say sort of make a mistake go back go look at the video the coach analyzes tell you what you could or could maybe should have done differently but if someone out there in the middle says to you hey maybe try this maybe try that you get to succeed or fail out there in the heat of battle. And I think that uh, the learning curve is just so much steeper. So that's where I see huge value in, 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 in senior players, in, in players who've been there and done it. And um, if I just think about my journey at the Lions, I mean, I think that's, that was one of the best legacies we had in terms of that, that batting unit over a number of years. I mean, when I first came into the team, I batted amongst Adam Buchers, H.D. Ackerman, um, then came along a Justin Ontong, Neil McKenzie came back, so batted with them, and Elviro Peterson batted with him. So those are the guys you're batting with, you know, so you're feeding off some of the best players. And then hopefully, I mean, and, and, and I do believe it's played a part in the legacy of, what, of, of what's gone on now. If you look at, you know, your Timber Bavumas, your Rassi van der Dissens, your Dwayne Pretorius, we started being around those good batters all the time. You know what I mean? And, and, and hopefully it rolls into that. And I think it still continues to this day um, there at the Lions. And I think, wow, they, they produce some, some, some pretty good batsmen. There's a good culture of always having that one or two senior batsmen around. So, yeah, it's um, you know, certainly plenty of conversations you've had. And, and, I mean, and, learning, and learning about the game afterwards. I mean, in today's culture, it's a, it's a, it's a very now instant gratification focus. 
um, and guys are quick to pack up after the day's play and head off back to the hotel rooms. I mean, but I learned so much around the dressing room, just sitting there, not, not necessarily saying a word. I remember walking into, into a dressing room, I mean, mid to early my career, it was a one-day game we played against the Warriors and Mark Voucher was playing for the Warriors. And I just sat there and I listened to how he was talking and I was like, that's just such a good perspective. I mean, he was obviously, I mean, we know Mark, that tough, you know, uncompromising, not give an inch. And it was probably what I had to hear, not that he was talking to me at all, but I probably found myself at the time saying, you need to have a little bit more grit. You just need to just, just be a little bit tougher here. You know, just stand up for yourself a little bit more. You know, you, 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 you're standing back in that heat of battle moment, you know. And so it wasn't even directed at me. You pick it up and you go, hey, yeah, maybe I'll take that on board a little bit. And sometimes advice fails. And um, and um, did you ever have you know? I think most players do, but did you ever have this individual, the one player whom you enjoyed more betting with in your in your career? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean. it's a, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough question i mean i've been blessed uh, i've been blessed to bat with some amazing batsmen and and they complement you in different ways and you know um you know some some batsmen who you know that you, you just hit it off in the middle you might not be the best friend off the field you know like you get along and whatever but but you have a real synergy out in the middle and there's other guys who you you're very friendly with and you mates with but you just can't get it together when you're batting and your partnerships never seem to last i mean it's it's a weird dynamic so uh, but probably over the course of everything probably neil mckenzie i would say you know from a from an all-round point of view um yeah, pro- pro- probably made the biggest impact, and you know, certainly, I mean, he he was prolific for the Lions. So, uh, you know, sort of, if I was playing one of my longer innings, and and he was still in when uh, he came in when I was in, then you know, there were th- those were those were good times. Do you know what I mean? But uh, you know, also different being not an opening part. I mean, that's where Adam Bacher was completely different to open the innings together, that new ball together, that we in this for the fight together. Uh, was also amazing. I mean, he really had my back uh, a number of times. You know, I don't think he ever said it, but he always seemed to take the quickest bowler for me. Or you know, when someone is in the midst of a good spell, he always seemed to like get his way down that end. I think I think he was incredibly selfless in that way. So um, yeah, those those two probably, especially in my in the first half of my career. And and, and like I've said, ho- hopefully I was that to someone else. You know, and we'll find out in ten years' time. You know, if someone says, "Hey, you know, Stephen Cook was a great guy to bat with," or you know, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe geez, we couldn't stand batting with that guy. He blocked it and scored too slowly. And then, well, you know, that is what it is. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the beauty of it, you know? So yeah, maybe in hindsight, I should have played a few more shots earlier in my career. I was a bit of a boring, boring Barry block, but, uh, but now uh, you got to get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, if I may ask now, um, what is your motivation today? What, what gets you going? What, Lights the fire in your belly. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the so many so many careers come to the end uh, in all things. I mean, cricket probably the one that we're highlighting here, and that's well, what now? Uh, and you're so defined by what you've done and what you've achieved. Um, and I think through having good mentors, I mean, people always told me. It's not going to be about the runs and the hundreds and the and the records and that. It's not going to be about that. It's going to be about the people and the relationships and the memories and the places you travel to. And I always remember thinking, oh, that is absolute rubbish. How can you not think about every hundred you get? How can you not think about your average and your strike rate and be obsessed by that all? And I was probably at times in my career. Um, but now with a bit more perspective, it's amazing. I, people ask me about games that I played and I sometimes like, I can't even remember. They're like, you scored a hundred there. I was like, I did got a hundred there and you're like, it, it wasn't about that. But you know what? You'll remember the story about, Hey, geez, remember when we celebrated after that game and that happened, or do you remember when the bus broke down here and this happened? You know, you like, you remember those things, but you know, if some, if you said to me, I mean, what did you score there? What did you score there? I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you in most, most cases. And yet I was, you know, one of those guys, people would say, Oh, you obsess over your, your, your stats and your figures and all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, I suppose it's to redefine yourself and, uh, and and what have you? So yeah, so, so so forging forging my second career, my my career after 
playing of cricket. So, you know, at the moment that's, you know, in through Saka in administration and a little bit of coaching and a little bit of commentary. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I say, I love the game and, you know, I just, I love to be involved in it. Uh, and, and yeah, we, we were all learning and we're growing. And I mean, we know, we know we've got challenges in this game. Some, some that are unique to South Africa, some that aren't. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, be that person who can make the game go forward, you know, because there are enough good people. They're good people I see and work with every day on and off the field who want this game to succeed in South Africa, to be the sport for, for everyone. And, uh, yeah, if I can play my part, some part, 1% in making that happen, then, then that's what gets me up in the morning. And, you know, I, I, I leave the world, I leave cricket a better, a better place than I did this morning. So yeah, that's, that, 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 that's really what, what drives me. Stephen, thank you very much for joining me on the pavilion today. I really quite, quite enjoyed our conversation. No, thank you. I mean, it's been, it's, uh, I mean, as always, you know, you, when you, when you talk back on these past experiences and you, and you almost reflect on them, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's somewhat therapeutic in of itself. So uh, that's why I say, I mean, like, uh, you know, I, I, I probably more gain more than, than someone listening to it or you interviewing or whatever, you know, you, you reflect on things and, and, and it defines where you go and you remember what things you did well and, you know, the lessons that you learned. So, yeah, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy it. I enjoyed talking to Pickett and yeah, today's all about me and it's always easy to talk about me, but um, yeah, no, I've enjoyed it. So thanks for your interest in it and uh, yeah, thanks for... You know, spreading that, spreading that love of the game of cricket that I think you do, you know, so well. So yeah, so welcome to you, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Fantastic.